Hello and welcome. This is Luke Bajarski with Skift Research. Today I'm joined with Jared Ween, our senior analyst, who's going to go over some of the key findings from our 2017 outlook on hotel direct booking report. We also have Deanna Ting, our senior hospitality editor, that's going to talk to us about some of the hotel direct booking strategies that some of the big brands are now implementing to gain share away from the OTAs and other uh, third-party distribution channels. So thank you very much for joining us. So before we get into the weeds, I wanted to cover off some of the some of the key findings. Uh, later on, we'll we'll look at some of the survey results that we gathered from our 2007 direct booking survey. We'll look at the difference between direct versus non-direct channels when it comes to share and how hotels are allocating their marketing and advertising budgets. We'll talk about current booking breakdown by channel, effective commission rates, implicit costs of direct channels, and various other topics that should give our hotel listeners a a better idea of what's happening in the space when it comes to hotel distribution. So just uh, some some key findings before I kick it over to, to Jared. When we think about the headlines that we've been seeing over the last uh, couple of years, let's say kind of... Uh, developing this dialogue or this theme about this war that's going on between the OTAs and the big book hotel chains. If we, if you read beyond those headlines, we see a much more complex and strategic landscape focused on really optimizing the costs associated with the hotel marketing and distribution. So really the term direct booking can include a lot of different paid and unpaid channels. So we'll talk about what that exactly means to the to the customer in terms of relationships and who owns the relationships and who owns the data. So a lot of what's playing out right now is is goes beyond just the the money and the revenue and the the profit but also the less tangible revenue opportunity in terms of data ownership and customer ownership and building lifetime uh, customer value with those customers. Well, also, when we're thinking about direct bookings, we're thinking about the the bookings that are originating from organic search versus email marketing, content marketing, influencer marketing, uh, social media marketing, all of that are really part of what we consider as unpaid direct tool set, which uh, when you think about what the difference is between unpaid versus paid here, we're looking at what hoteliers might pay third parties like the meta brands or the Google or various other advertisers to pull traffic into their channel, into their ecosystem where those hotels effectively close up shop uh, when it comes to the, the actual purchase of the hotel. So Uh, Here, when we think about the costs that typically remain in-house and fixed in the form of staffing, digital infrastructure, uh, software service fees, different soft fees, there isn't really, there's no such thing as a free lunch, let's say. There's always going to be costs involved when it comes to client and customer acquisition. So, um, you know, the idea that direct bookings somehow are... Uh, free versus what they might pay OTAs is a bit of a bit of a, a misnomer. So you just have to clarify that there are still direct and indirect costs when you think about distribution as a whole. 
And then we think about other channels beyond the OTA. We're thinking about digital direct can also amount to significant portion of the total bookings. Here we're thinking about things like the GDSs, the travel management agencies, the traditional travel agencies, as well as non-direct, uh, non-digital direct bookings, including groups and convention bookings. So you know, and obviously the walk-ins and the room reservations come. All that kind of adds up incrementally and in total beyond what we see from the digital channels direct and OTAs. A lot of these, a lot of that, a lot of these other channels can account to as much as 40 to 60% of total bookings. So when we're talking about the dir- direct booking controversy, it's really just a portion of the hotel business. Meta search channels are a, a rising star. Clearly, what's happening with Trivago and and the competition that's playing out between uh, Expedia and Priceline, and also independent TripAdvisor. It's definitely something worth considering. And as Jared will talk about later, it's definitely something that hoteliers should think about as part of their uh, broader distribution channel mix and strategy, and how meta search channels can can work towards gaining more uh, direct bookings. And here, when we think about meta for hotels, a lot of it comes down to cost per click or cost per acquisition in terms of the types of campaigns that hotels run. And for the bigger groups, meta search advertising tends to make a little bit more sense just because they tend to be better at conversions uh, once they get the customer on the website. For smaller hotels, cost per acquisition makes more sense when you think about the, you know, the, their ability to convert uh, just given their, their brand name and given their capability in term, terms of their site. So it's just another consideration. And again, just recognized brands tend to convert better on MetaSearch just because they're, you know, they have a closer relationship to the customer at the time of search. Uh, but there are also companies like Sojourn and other marketing optimization type platforms that specialize in performance marketing that help hotels rein in ad spend costs. So for meta players like Trivago, also like to offer advice to hotel partners in terms of how to improve their site in terms of conversions, just because they primarily work on the CPC model. But uh, also prefer working with their hotels that have basically their their digital stack in order, which is you know makes for a better relationship with the metas when when we think about conversions and acquisition. So if you think about the experienced operators and how they recognize the value of OTAs as an acquisition channel, we have to think about the difference between. Loyal, the, the, so there's some aspects there when it comes to play in terms of loyalty and, and new guest acquisition. So what we found is that a lot of hotels consider OTAs as a great opportunity to win new customers. But once that customer gets through the door is the opportunity for the hotel to really build that relationship with the customer to, to, to gain loyalty, not necessarily just the transactional loyalty in terms of that customer coming back to the hotel or another location within that chain, but for that customer to become an advocate for that brand and to really speak to uh, whatever experience they had so that converts ultimately to, to, to more sales within that 
customer's network of friends and family and just overall brand building for the customer. So clearly there's a lot going on there. Great. So with the, just some of those top line findings, I'm going to kick it over to Jared, who's going to talk in more detail about strategy and the results that we came up with um, from our 2017 outlook on hotel direct booking survey. Great. Thanks, Luke. So we partnered with Trivago and we uh, had 370 respondents worldwide, um, cross independence, brands, geographic locations. So if you look at slides 11 through 15, we just provided that for our readers. We know who the, the, the who actually participated in the survey. Turning to slide 16, we asked, what does your distribution mix currently look like? And one thing to note here is that these percentages for our survey vary from a later slide uh, where we show the typical branded chain. Now, the reason uh, being the hotels within the branded chains have very different models. So here, OTAs are 27%. Um, but at a corporate level, uh, large chains are typically around 10 to 15%. If you turn to slide 17, um, we asked, what do you believe a fair commission rate would be? And not surprisingly, over half the hotels wanted to pay less than 10%. Over 90% thought a fair rate would be less than 16%. Uh, the large chains pay around 15, 10 to 15%, and the independents pay around 15 to 25%, or even more currently. If you turn to slide 18, we asked, are you satisfied with the guest, da the guest data? Uh, independents are much more positive on data versus brands, which makes sense given the brands have much more powerful data and analytics at their disposal uh, when a booking is not through an OTA and they own the data. For an independent hotel, they are not running loyalty programs, uh, but would want to market directly to the consumer. If we turn to page 19, we asked, how do you expect the distribution to change? So for independence, there's a lot of optimism on digital direct with 82% expecting an increase. That being said, close to 60% see a rise in paid click. So it's likely that direct is more of the paid type. 40% still see OTA increasing its share. Group bookings, managed travel, corporate travel, and GDS bookings are seen as stable. Traditional travel agents have the most expectations for decline. On slide 20, we asked the same question to the branded hotels. Now, for the brands, over 80% see more digital direct and 60% see a rise in OTA and paid click. Traditional travel agents, managed corporate travel, and phone are all viewed as a source of decline. GDS and uh, group booking skew towards no change. If you turn to slide 21, we asked what your ideal distribution mix would be. So for branded chains, the ideal of 14% from OTAs is actually already where the typical brand as a whole sits. Uh, for digital direct, the brands look to move up to 40% versus 30% now on average. Traditional travel agents are targeted at 5% versus around 8% now. Paid click is on par with this, uh, with where we are now at 11% goal and 10% currently. GDS is similar with a 12% goal and 10% now. Uh, phone booking is definitely a source of change where it is 15% now, but the chains are looking to push it down to 10%. Managed travel is 9% now, with the goal to bring it down to 7%. Now for independence, the ideal of 25% from OTAs is a long way from where we are now in the 40% range. For digital direct, most independents are only at 15% and want to be like the big brands and target close to 40%. Traditional travel agents are targeted at 2% versus 8% now. 
Uh, paid click is a growth avenue where they target 11% versus 7%. And they look to lower GDS bookings from 12% to 7%. Phone is already at the 10% goal level. And managed travel is also near its 5% goal level. Uh, turning to slide 22, uh, we asked, over the next 24 months, how spend will change on different channels. So in looking at where spending is expected to increase, the branded chains see increases on Google, uh, Google Hotel Ads, which is their meta search, and traditional AdWords. Both Expedia and Booking.com have just under 50% seeing increases, followed by TripAdvisor at just under 40%. Turning to slide 23, uh, for independents, they are less likely to see an increase in Google Hotel Ads and the brands, but 33% still see this rising. For AdWords, which uh, all they essentially pay out of necessity in some ways, 42% see an increase. Within the traditional meta bucket, Trivago and TripAdvisor are expected to see more spending growth than Kayak within our sample. Uh, now turning to slide 24, you know, we look at the direct channels. So the consensus from our interviews and checks on the industry is that almost all hotels count paid and unpaid as direct externally. The large chains look at paid and unpaid differently, however, and monitor both very well. A small independent knows what is paid or not paid, but outside of hiring a third-party vendor, uh, does, not does not manage meta or other paid forms that well and can pay effective CPC above OTA rates. Um, slide 25. Uh, the next source of direct bookings would be offline purchases, including phone reservations, walk-ins, and emails. These can actually be comparable in size to digital direct bookings. Uh, some of the drivers here would be large groups like conventions or weddings, business travelers who know that a given location has plenty of lodging and prefer to book when they arrive, and leisure travelers who may book during a road trip or simply like to call the hotel directly for a personal touch. Uh, on slide 26, we look at some of the non-direct channels. So the traditional travel agent, this is a category that is mature and at best faces minimal growth. The ones who survive tend to have niche specialties like knowing everything there is to know about Disney. Um, and can justify the fees to the to the suppliers and potentially to the booker. For GDSs, this includes companies like Sabre, Galileo, Amadeus, Pegasus, and Worldspan. Uh, GDSs provide reservations capabilities to both airlines and hotels using centralized data uh, with factors like pricing and, and real-time availability. Uh, simplistically, these are kind of the, the pipelines in the industry between the uh, airlines and hotels and the supply and the online and offline distributors. Um, the third non-direct channel is managed corporate travel. Uh, corporate travel spend in the U.S. is close to $3 billion, though is growing quite slowly in the flat to low single-digit percent range. The global market is over $1.3 trillion, with more than two-thirds of that from the U.S., Western Europe, and China. Uh, the dominant players here are Carlson Wagonlit, BCD Travel, American Express, Global Business Travel, and HRG. Uh, retention is very high, around 90%, but the growth is minimal. Expedia's agencia is pushing into the space, um, the, the, trying to take share of the non-managed space, while Booking.com is taking the approach of using its traditional leisure OTA platform and simply modifying it. On slide 27, we look at the booking breakdown by channel. So we discussed the survey and trends earlier, but below is how we see the current breakdown of distribution. And the key point here is that, that despite so much controversy, the large chains do not use OTAs as heavily as many expect. For independents, it's a much different with around 40% of bookings coming in that channel. 
On slide 28, we look at the effect of commission rates. So for OTAs, the largest hotels have more bargaining power against the OTAs than independents the hoteliers do. As a result, mega brands pay 10 to 15% commissions versus independents at 15 to 25% on average. Uh, for Meta, though CPC is not paid on a commission basis, but on a dollar per click basis, we estimate that the effect of commission is 5 to 15% for large chains and 10 to 30% for independents. Meta winds up being comparable to the OTA fee or slightly lower in many cases. This begs the question, why don't hotels push Meta more aggressively? And the answer is that OTAs dominate the results on Meta, so to increase share, the hotels would need to compete more aggressively which in turn will increase CPC and make Meta less attractive. Hotels should definitely use both OTAs and Meta to diversify distribution, but must be careful about trying to outspend the OTAs. On Meta Instant Booking, we see a 7 to 12% range for the effective commission on large chains and uh, 10 to 15% on the independents. On the low end, we suspect that the, chain, the large chains privately negotiate their fees with TripAdvisor. For GDSs, uh, they're much more focused on airlines, with Amadeus and Sabre having close to 90% of bookings on airlines versus hotels. Hotels are still useful to them, as those bookings get much higher fees. So for hotels, they get access to a wide range of distributors through one channel. Uh, there are commissionable bookings that have a travel agent fee on top of the GDS fee, and non-commissionable bookings that do not. Uh, the non-commissionable ones may still go through an agent, but part of a package uh, where a suitable room is not available under the agent fee model. This is why there's a really large range at 7 to 20% because part of it includes an agent fee and part does not. Uh, the traditional travel agent, uh, despite the move to the digital world, the travel agents still do account for close to 10% of industry bookings. We see some pressure in rates here with Hilton reported to be cutting uh, from 10% to 5 to 8%. And we believe the range for large chains would be in the 5 to 10% versus 10 to 15% for independent hotels. If we turn to slide 29, we offer a range of uh, implicit commission cost on direct bookings that tend to be thought of as free. So for digital direct booking, there still are costs. There's behind the scenes technology costs. There's employee, uh, employer costs, uh, advertising costs. So the range here at the low end is around 4%. And at the high end could be anywhere from 10% for an independent. Uh, for group bookings, there are commissions both at the you know, if someone's booking a wedding, the person that's doing the booking, whether they work at the hotel or their external can be paid a commission. And finally, walk-ins, which some people consider the holy grail of bookings, even that does have fees associated with the systems and the technology. And with that, we'll turn it over to Deanna to talk about the hotels. Jared. Uh, yeah, so I'm just here to sort of give a little bit of a, a brief overview um, on what a lot of the different hotel uh, brands are doing in terms of their direct booking uh, strategies. So I'm going to start off first by talking about Hilton. Um, I guess if we were to look at the hotel companies, I'd probably appoint Hilton to be like the head cheerleader when it comes to direct booking pushes. Um, it's probably made the most visible investment in ed educating consumers about the benefits of booking direct. Um, and the, the biggest sign of that was last year in February 2016, when they debuted their big stop clicking around campaign. And the other hotel chains shortly followed suit. Um, most recently, Hilton reported that its web direct business accounts for about 30% of its bookings and that it now has about 63 million loyalty members who account for about 57% of its occupancy. Um, CEO Chris Nassetta has also acknowledged that while 
these sort of like discounted member rates that they offer for loyalty members who book direct can be a bit of an initial pain point for individual hotel property owners. It's actually worth it in the long run to, to keep these guests loyal and keep these guests coming back to Hilton time and time again. Um, moving on to slide 31, we'll discuss a little bit more about Marriott. So um, Marriott is now considered the world's largest hotel company thanks to its $13.3 billion acquisition of Starwood Hotels and Resorts, which was completed uh, back in September. And like Hilton, Marriott also has um, these sort of like discounted member rates for their loyalty members who book direct on Marriott.com and their other brand.com sites. But unlike Hilton, Marriott hasn't really invested quite as heavily in terms of sending out that message to Book Direct. Um, they did sort of have a campaign that they launched uh, prior to Hilton stock clicking around back in August 2015, where they, they sort of promoted this notion of it pays to Book Direct, but they didn't really do quite as much as Hilton has. Um, the member direct rates that... that um, Marriott has, though, like Hilton, also have special perks. So they're really started trying to incentivize guests beyond just getting a discount um, with, you know, things like free Wi-Fi or, um, you know, better rooms or um, other other sort of special perks that make their stay a little bit more comfortable, too. On slide 32, um, we'll look a little bit more about what Marriott's, I guess, sort of direct booking strategy is now that it has all the Starwood properties. Uh, so they, uh, Marion Starwood said that last year, about 10% of their combined business came through the online travel agencies. And when you think of a company as large as that, that's actually, like Jared noted earlier, it's not quite as much of, of reliance on OTAs as you would sort of expect. Um, and Marriott in 2016 had 30% of its web direct business, while um, Starwood only had 18%. And loyalty members in total account for about half of the company's bookings. And as a combined company, Skift Research estimates that more than 60% of Marriott's business is considered direct. And then on slide 33, we'll see that you know going forward, the fact that Marriott is so large and that it does have now Starwood in its portfolio means that it will have a lot more leverage when it comes to negotiating its contracts with the OTAs. And already we're starting to see that. Um, already the company has begun transitioning a lot of Starwood's brands and properties onto a, Marriott's legacy established OTA contract rates. Um, so yeah, good news for them. <laughs> On slide 34, um, we'll talk a little bit about Intercontinental Hotels Group, also known as IHG. Uh, so this company is based in the UK, and it's actually, you know, somewhat more transparent than some of its peers, at least in terms of divulging information about its distribution channels. Uh, we know that about nearly 16% of its business comes from the OTAs, and about 21% is from Digital Direct. And given what we know about the, these channels, Skift Research estimates that IHG's total direct bookings are approximately 54 to 60% of its total business. Moving on to slide 35, we see that IHG's approach to direct bookings is also, you know, it's also kind of more aligned with what Married is doing and that they, they aren't necessarily doing huge campaigns or going to great lengths to really tell people to stop clicking around, but they definitely want people to book direct. Um, 
Like um, its peers, uh, they've also seen a bump in the number of loyalty members that they've accrued, and um, their leadership seems to be a little bit more diplomatic in terms of framing um, their company's relationship to the big online travel agency. So we see some comments there from former um, CEO Richard Solomons, who retired uh, this summer, and also from their current CFO, uh, Paul Edgecliff Johnson. And moving on to Wyndham. So Wyndham um, had some big news earlier this summer. Uh, they announced that they are splitting themselves up into two different companies. Uh, so this sort of refers to what we know so far of Wyndham. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year when um, Wyndham Hotel Group sort of breaks away from Wyndham's timeshare and vacation rentals business. Um, unlike its peers, though, Wyndham has not actually really introduced like discounted rates for its loyalty members, but it's really invested a lot in terms of its loyalty program. Um, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you'll probably recognize the gentleman that they have as their spokesperson is the man with the crazy beard and um, red hair, um, the wildling dude whose name I forget all the time. Apologies, Game of Thrones fans. But um, so their Wyndham Rewards program has really been what they've been investing most most heavily in. Um, and it, it makes a lot of sense because going forward, as the company splits up into two separate companies, they're going to be using the loyalty program to sort of still tie everything together and make sure that they keep the consumer base um, with them. Um, they're like Wyndham's portfolio, unlike some of its peers, also tends to skew a little bit more heavily toward mid-scale and economy brands. And um, our research department just estimates that Wyndham's total direct bookings business is anywhere from 50 to 60% of its business. And moving on to Choice Hotels. Uh, so Choice Hotels uh, also, um, like its peers, launched member rates in July of 2016. And we, re we estimate that their total direct bookings are anywhere from 50 to 60% of their business, with OTAs accounting for about 10 to 15%. So uh, Choice Hotel's uh, current CEO up until September 11th or 12th, <laughs> uh, Steve Joyce, is never really afraid to speak his mind. And he's made some very choice comments about how he feels about, you know, direct booking and how the online travel agencies sort of see their position with the hotel companies. Um in a recent conversation that I had with him, he told me that the last time Choice was in contract negotiations with the OTAs was about two years ago. Um and in September, their current president and COO, Pat Pacious, will take over Steve's position and will become the acting uh, CEO. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Pat sort of veers away from Steve's strategy. I sort of have a feeling that he won't, considering that both Steve and Pat worked together for so, so long. Um, I, but I do see Pat being a little bit more diplomatic in his choice of words. <laughs> we probably won't get as many fun quotes to quote in stories. Uh, on slide 39, we have Accor Hotels. And Accor Hotels is, is probably one of the most interesting big hotel companies out there. They're really always willing to kind of try things a little bit more differently than their peers. And because they're based in Paris and because so much of their portfolio is in Europe, they also sort of have like a little bit of a different sort of circumstance that they're dealing with as opposed to their American counterparts. Um, last year, Accor Hotels actually acquired One Fine Stay, one of many, many acquisitions that the company has made in the past year. And in addition to that, they also um, acquired Fairmont Raffles Swiss Hotel. 
Uh, we estimate that their total direct bookings range anywhere from about 40 to 50%. And that, you know, a core hotels, given the fact that its portfolio is primarily concentrated in Europe, uh, where the market's a lot more fragmented, they must probably also rely slightly more on OTAs than some of the other companies. Uh, moving on to slide 40 and 41. So we have some um, insights here from CEO Sebastian Bazin. Uh, he's also very interesting in that, you know, he's been really adamant about saying that he really thinks that his his peers' um, direct booking pushes are a bit futile. And he he doesn't want to sort of see a core hotels becoming, quote, a third OTA. However, it is interesting that Accor Hotels has sort of attempted to kind of have its own sort of online travel agency platform or booking platform through um, its proprietary um, fast booking um, feature. But it, so fast booking basically lets independent hotels sort of sign up with Accor Hotels and and um, be advertised on the AccorHotels.com site. Um, and then whenever a booking is made on Accor Hotels for that independent property, then the independent pays Accor, you know, a, a a commission fee, basically. Um, so it sort of like allows these independent hotels to be a part of a larger distribution system like a course without having to pay the fees that are associated with uh, joining what the other brands like to call soft brand collections. And examples of these include like um, Ascend Collection by Choice, uh, Tribute, uh, uh, luxury, um, the luxury hotels collection from Starwood, um, autograph collection, curio collection. Basically, if something says a collection, it's probably a soft brand. Um, so yeah, that's that's a core strategy. And then moving on to Hyatt. So Hyatt made a lot of news this summer, um, specifically in relation to direct bookings, um, because it sort of got into this sort of like, uh, I guess, kind of, I guess playing chicken a little bit with Expedia. Um, Hyatt was up for a new contract with Expedia and um, prior to having to meet a, the new deadline of July 31st to sign a new contract, um, you know, Hyatt really tried to sort of, I guess, find ways to leverage themselves in a better position. And Hyatt's interesting because it, it's actually smaller than a lot of its peers in terms of size. Um, and it's also more concentrated in the upscale and luxury space. Uh, and Skift Research estimates that their direct business is probably in the 50 to 60% range. So the July 31st deadline has already passed, but um, needless to say, Hyatt and Expedia, as of just last week, um, so they they did formally sign a new agreement, but there were a bit there are a few twists and turns along the way, but suffice it to say the, the, the Hyatt versus Expedia situation really kind of just, I think it, it highlighted a lot of the, the, the problems that hotels have with the OTAs in terms of what they want to have. Um, and also what the OTAs expect to have, um, and so both both sides, both Hyatt and Expedia, were really appealing to hotel property owners, trying to convince them uh, that you know we're going with one over the other is better. Um, but you know, luckily, I think probably for owners, um, Hyatt and Expedia were able to come to terms, and uh, to crisis was averted. 
So now we're moving on to Red Lion's Hotel, Red Lion Hotels Corporation, and I included them here in this list because even though they're a very small company, um, they they have a very different OTA strategy than their peers. Uh, so last August in 2016, Red Lion actually formed a partnership with Expedia.com and Hotels.com that allows them to offer their member rates on those sites but also collect customer data for any bookings made on those sites. And that's sort of like a a pain point for a lot of hotels. It's not only the fact that do they lose out on on more money when a consumer books on Expedia or or Hotels.com, but they don't have that customer data. They don't have the customer's email address to, to retarget them or to market to them after the stay. Uh, one year later, uh, I spoke with their uh, CMO, uh, Bill Linehan, and he told me that they've seen a lot of great success with this uh, strategy, and they they plan on pursuing other similar partnerships with other OTAs. Um, but it, you know, for for a company like Red Lion, this probably makes a little bit more sense the strategy because they are smaller. Um, they they may not necessarily have the brand name recognition that a Marriott would or a Hilton would. Um, so for them, it's you know it's it's working. So we'll we'll see how it goes from there. And then moving on to slide uh, 45, we'll talk a little bit about the independent hotels. So like Jared and Luke mentioned, it, you know, it's a lot tougher out there for independent hotels um, to increase their share of d- direct bookings versus non-direct. And that's exactly why they're just, you know, ha- sort of have to be a lot more reliant on the OTAs. Uh, but a lot of them are sort of trying to find ways to change that um, that situation by joining soft brand collections, like I mentioned earlier. And there seems to be a brand new soft brand collection coming out all the time. The most recent one is uh, Wyndham's uh, trademark collection, which is targeted more toward like three and four star properties. Um, so, you know, it, it just depends. But uh, you know, then there are still there's still some independent hoteliers that tell me, um, you know, that they don't really see the value of joining a software and collection. So I think it just depends. And it, it's really a case by case basis for these owners um, to look at, you know, where their hotel is, what their market is, and whether or not they really need to rely on those collections to for the access to marketing, loyalty and distribution advantages. And then moving on to slide uh, 46, we have some, you know, interesting comments here or irreverent comments here from uh, Viceroy Hotel CEO, Bill Walsh. Um, And they show that, you know, how just exactly how scale and geography really play a pivotal role in determining how it really is for hotel companies and trying to get more direct bookings. Um, So, you know, the, the, the truth at the end of the day, though, however, is that as much as the hotels bemoan um, the online travel agencies, uh, they they need them to some degree, <laughs> and vice versa. The online travel agencies do need those hotels, obviously, to have inventory on their sites that they can they can sell. Um, and uh, you know, I I have personally, you know, spoken to some independent hoteliers who tell me, you know, for the the commission that they pay to the OTAs, sometimes getting that first-time customer is totally worth the price. Um, but it's up to them, the, the hotels, to make sure that that guest has a really incredible experience and will want to come back and return and be loyal and hopefully book direct. Um, and so that's something that, uh, you know, right now at least, uh, the, hotel, the OTAs don't have control over, which is the actual, you know, guest experience at the hotel. Thanks, Deanna. Just for some final thoughts. Um, you know, a lot of this gets blown out under proportion where it's portrayed as this big war. 
But in reality, the big brands that are doing the hotel, doing the ad campaigns only generate about 10 to 15% of bookings through OTAs. And the OTAs bring independent hotels that don't have marketing budgets that first time customers Deanna mentioned. So we see OTAs remaining a very relevant channel for the foreseeable future. Another thing is that the, war, the so-called war is not just between the OTAs and hotels, but the other 60 something percent of distribution, such as traditional travel agents and GDSs, uh, you know, that the hotel brands can win direct bookings, but it doesn't have to necessarily come at the expense of the OTAs. And with that, I think that's all we have for today. I want to thank you for listening to our analyst session.